Welcome back to Candid Conversations. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Parents, today's Candid Conversations podcast is not suitable for younger audiences. Please listen to this episode without little ones around. You may choose to share portions of this interview with your older children, but please listen to it first. It was very practical and may seem legalistic to some, But when you actually encounter and touch the heart of God, it's not a legalistic, well, let me do this stuff so I look right before God. It is a response of joyful obedience because suddenly you realize those things are detestable to his heart and they become distasteful to you. You realize they're not for your good. And so I don't want anything to do with them. You know, it actually becomes this beautiful, joyful response of obedience. Today, we welcome back Mo Isom Aiken to Candid Conversations. If you missed part one last week, go back and give it a listen. Part one is Mo's incredible testimony of God's deliverance from sin and a life of woundedness and sexual impurity. As a quick recap, Mo Isom Aiken is the New York Times bestselling author of Wreck My Life, Journeying from Broken to Bold and the author of Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations of the Church for God. She is a nationally sought-after speaker and a popular faith-based blogger on moisom.com. On today's episode, Mo will share the practical steps she took in her healing journey, as well as free resources she's offering to help you pursue freedom and wholeness. Let's get started. Mo, what are the excuses that you typically hear or what were the excuses that you gave from pursuing that deeper relationship in that in that moment? Oh, wow. Yeah, the biggie that comes to mind would be uh there's a real challenging to the flesh that comes because obedience a lot of the time comes with a denial to the flesh's instant wants and urges. And that's so beautiful because it, it actually teaches us self-control. It actually reveals to us that by the blood of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit within us is greater than our fallen flesh lorded nature, that we do not have to be enslaved to every urge, every want every thought, everything we think we need, but that we can actually be uprooted from enslavement to sin and um, actually become enslaved to righteousness. But this comes first, I would say one of the biggest things that I wrestled with was like, but sometimes I just want something. (laughs) Sometimes I just want that fix. Sometimes I want that relational connection. Sometimes I want that person to text. It makes me feel good. And there was a real wrestling match for me with obedience of like, are you willing to navigate discomfort? Are you willing to deny what you think will feel good, the temporary fix for the eternal fruit? That's tweetable. The temporary fix for the eternal fruit, like who's really your master? And it was this wrestling match of like, my flesh can't be, you know, if I'm walking truly surrendered to his lordship, it it can't be my wants, my flesh, my comfort, the focus on me. He began to shift my perspective and invite me into discomfort 
and invite me into the tension wrestling space, like the, the familiarity with denying self for the glory of God. And so that was a big one that came up against, well, what do I do if I want something? <laughs> well, what if what he wants for us is greater? Hmm. Who lords us? Because if we're not under the lordship of Christ, we're under the lordship of Satan. And I don't want that. <laughs> so I want to be willing to get uncomfortable. I want to be okay with tension. I don't want to numb navigating depth anymore because it gets me out of my comfort zone. I need you, Lord, to train me, train me up as I go in. Um, I mean, it's like I understood it when I related it to an athlete mindedness. You don't want to go lift weight. You don't want to run sprints, but it's always going to make you stronger persevering through that discomfort. It's for our gain. And so um, that was a big one that I wrestled with. I think to the, the question of control, what does my future look like if I'm not able to clearly be in control of X, Y, or Z factors? And um, when I released that need to control and actually began to trust, you do know what's best for me. And I can't come into agreement with the thought that obedience would leave me abused or neglected, that obedience would cause me to miss out on a husband or a dream. The resolve in my heart became, I can't agree with the lie that obedience to God is for my harm. I must believe that he, he loves me and he is who he says he is. And whatever this obedience yields, it's what was best for me. And ultimately that he's in control. I don't think he's going to cause us to miss out on something that he intends (laughs) by obeying him. He is in such a, a full and abounding work of transforming us and maturing us and growing us and strengthening us and orchestrating all together for his glory or his will be done. And so I had to trust that and release control. What are the practical outworkings of that? What were the physical manifestations of that for you? Yeah, I um, likened it to like a horse putting on blinders. So I'll speak specifically to the sex and sexuality piece. Um, relationally, I was like a horse that put on blinders. I truly postured my heart in the position of, I am in a monogamous relationship with God. So a marriage, and I'm going to treat every other person around me as if I am in a monogamous committed relationship. That means I am not going to flirt. I'm not going to respond to the late night texts. I am not going to tease or try to control. Uh, I'm not going to date. I'm not going to be physical. I am going to treat all those around me as if they are my brothers and my sisters. And there is no engagement that would cross the lines of what would be inappropriate to a monogamous committed relationship. Physical response became like a purging of um, contacts in my phone of images or pictures with people that I know would be like Lot's wife looking back of like, Oh, but we dated and he was so great. You know, a a physical, actual purging of things that weren't best for me. I also remember there was a very real tangible response. And this was solely by the Holy spirit. There became a, a great sensitivity to what I was watching and what I was listening to. 
and a recognition that, oh, what I set before my eyes actually is very impresses a lot on me and what I'm allowing to just kind of mindlessly stream into my ears by way of music and, mm-hmm. and, you know, conversations I'm engaging it. They're actually like the eye is the lamp into the body. They're, right. they're affecting my thoughts and they're affecting my action. And there became this real sensitivity to purify those things. I remember this is so silly, but like, I didn't have any Christian music. I don't know who the Christian artists were. I didn't know what people listened to. All I had wedged way deep in the center console of my van or my SUV was a Jeremy camp CD that my great aunt had given me. And it's all I had. And I'm like, this must be it. This must be what Christian music is. And I remember putting that in. And now looking back, I'm like, my taste is fairly different than Jeremy camp. But at the time, it's all I listened to for over a year. Hmm. I just, I didn't have any other CDs. I didn't have any other like music. So that stayed in my car and did not come out for over a year. And the lyrics and the words of that music pouring into my mind, my heart, my spirit versus who knows what other stuff. I purged my iTunes. Like Hmm. I had to get rid of all of it. It transformed the way I saw myself, the thoughts I thought that, I just came to awareness of what we actually are consuming greatly affects how we think and what we do. It's like, we are what we eat. Well, we are to what we see. We are to what we listen to. We are what we consume. And um, that really helped in the progress of coming out of a lot of the perversion and brokenness and the thoughts and the dreams. So much of them were triggered by what I was setting before my eyes, even harmless TV shows, you know, social media accounts that I was following that triggered me. I just had to purge all that stuff. And it was very practical and may seem legalistic to some, but when you actually encounter and touch the heart of God, it's not a legalistic, well, let me do this stuff. So I look right before God. It is a response of joyful obedience because suddenly you realize those things are detestable to his heart and they become distasteful to you. Mm. You realize they're not for your good. And so I don't want anything to do with them. You know, it actually becomes this beautiful, joyful response of obedience. Again, like we said, that that just bears such great fruit and ultimately escorted me into this heart posture of repentance that wasn't scary, that wasn't, oh, I'm this filthy, worthless sinner. Let me just think of everything I need to repent of so that God will love me. No, it was like, wait. Repentance is a turning back. It's a recognizing that what I'm doing or what I'm seeing or what I'm watching or what I'm listening to isn't what's best for me. So there's beautiful invitation to, to repent, to say, oh God, I see now. I understand. I want to turn my heart back to you, back to your ways, back to what you say is right to do, good to do. I don't want anything to do with this stuff. Please forgive me for my you know, association with these things or my agreement, cover me with your mercy, embolden me with your grace, man, cover this in your blood. I want nothing but you. And so actually just walking in like the practical stripping away of things and turning from things and purging, you know, music and movies and accounts and phone contacts. It's like every time there was more and more of that weight chipped away and 
a beautiful invitation into this rhythm of repentance of show me what's not of you and I will throw it off. The sin that so easily entangles. I will run, flee from sexual immorality. I just want you. And so I started, I mean, you even get on the hunt. You're like, what else, Lord? What else? Show me. It's got to go because it's good when it goes and there's freedom and there's a lightness that comes and shame that lifts and it's very practical stuff, but it's really powerful. And Mo, I know that you have a desire and a heart for helping others um, come out of the struggles um, similar to what you've been through. What are some of the resources that you have available that can help people? Well, we released the second book, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot, um, that really I would encourage anyone and everyone, I mean, married, single, whatever lifestyle they're navigating, whatever sin they know is entangling them, man, I would encourage everyone and their brother to pick that up because it is an introduction and a, a catalyst of conversation. It is an introduction to open our eyes to how God sees things, why it matters, and how we can just pull stuff out of the darkness and bring light to it to really reveal what it is then see who we are and how those two things need to connect. Um, But then after we released that book, we actually listened to people's most frequent questions and comments and conversations that grew out of it uh, for about a year's time. And then we created this eight part video series called sex and Jesus. The conversation continued. That really is very practical, very applicable for uh, individuals to walk through, to navigate healing and wholeness in their own hearts first and know how to move forward in freedom and to carry these conversations forward and how to talk to their kids about it, you know, how to address their spouses about things. It's uh, really just sort of a more applicable guide. It's totally free. It's at moisom.com. It's an eight part video series. It comes with like this 40 page PDF. If you want to do it in groups, a discussion guide, so much power in finding accountability in groups and actually cultivating conversation um, so we, we love to point people there as well. And then uh, through, I mean, at Moisem on Instagram as well, we're kind of frequently engaging in these conversations and these topics and not shying away from the more taboo stuff, but really calling up the body of Christ to more and pointing to his truth and just walking with people through this crazy world and, um, and transparency and then testimony and learning as we all kind of grow together. So moisem.com has got a bunch of resources on there. The book obviously can be picked up really anywhere books are sold. And then over on Instagram, you'll also see my really cute giant babies. And so that's a bonus on Instagram. Mo, you know, I'm just thinking about the title of your book, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. And a question that keeps coming up to my mind is how, as it relates to the community of believers, the church, how does that community of believers support one another through this massive issue? Yeah, they're... A number of different ways that I believe we can practically and, um, you know, tangibly help one another through these struggles. But at the very starting line, it begins by the willingness to come together and to open our mouths and to cultivate conversation. So what we can kind of see, I believe, as we look back over time and sort of the trajectory of the church over time and, you know, how did we get here? How did we get to this place where such a 
big thing with so many layers, very real, impacting every single person's life, has become taboo or unspoken about or shaken a fist at in the church and the the symptoms, you know, begrudgingly addressed, but but we've missed speaking into the heart of things. And I really think that this the cycle that we see is that there was a lack of conversation or teaching or unpacking of the word of God mm-hmm. by way of sex and sexuality. So therefore, because there was silence, then there was uh, sin. There was a navigation of things for ourselves. And uh, then sin breeds shame, which breeds silence, which breeds sin, which breeds shame. Mm-hmm. And it's this mm-hmm. cycle that I think mm-hmm. we can look and generationally see passed down through the church over time. I remember after we released the book, I got a message from my husband's grandmother who was so encouraging. And also it was so eye-opening when she shared, you know, I, I read the book and I'm sitting here thinking, oh no, like, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't for you. Yeah. And she said, I just want you to know that no temptation that's overtaken you is uncommon to man. Um, mm. We were, were struggling with the same things in my time, but it looked different how we could address it and, you know, what was taboo or what was allowed. And she was really proud that um, we've gone forward sort of opening this door to conversation. And I realized, you know, eras have looked different. Time has looked different. The church culture has looked different from season to season. But for whatever reason, this cycle of silent sin and shame around sex specifically has permeated and has only continued to breed the same struggle. And so what I really believe is that at the very starting line, the church corporately bears the responsibility to begin to open the word of God and speak life. The power of life and death lies in the tongue. Take these topics that seem so taboo, that seem scary, that seem overwhelming and Proclaim the goodness and the glory of God over them. He has much to say about all of this. And if we would simply open the word and extract the text, extract the understanding, extract the meaning and and minister in this area and stop being bullied into silence by a world who says you need to be politically correct or don't talk about this or you have no room to say that. If we would fear God more than we feared man, if we would open the word of God and know his word is living and active, and if we would begin to corporately cultivate this conversation from the right-hearted posture of addressing the root whys, rather than just shaking our frustrated fists at the symptoms and moving on, no, if we would dig down to the root and come out of the fear of man and instead fear God and know that God cares deeply about these things. I think we would make some big steps forward. But I also think so much about the Great Commission. Jesus' instruction to us was to go and make disciples. And by and large, discipleship is so greatly lacking in the ecclesia, amongst the body. We kind of go to these big corporate gatherings and we sit and consume what one person shares. And, um, it's almost like a consumerism, like an entertainment type consumption. And then we go about our days, our lives disengaged from the body, disconnected Mm -hmm. from fellowship, disconnected from discipleship. But what we are truly called to is to know relational connection, Mm -hmm. discipleship, accountability, 
And while it may seem intimidating to pin a book that goes to 50,000 people about how you committed adultery in college, like he's not asking everyone to do that. <laughs> he's simply asking us to cultivate this conversation and be the body, walk together, no accountability and truly navigate discipleship where very scary, hard conversations can be cultivated. And we realize, oh, there is no sin temptation that is uncommon to man. Oh, like sometimes I wish when I go speak at events or when I've ministered in this area, I could like have a little hidden camera on like glasses or something. And I could Mm. record every person that comes up to me in a hushed, ashamed, whispered tone of, you spoke about, I mean, let's use porn, for example, you spoke Mm. about porn. I've never heard anyone talk about that. And that is something that I'm struggling with or in our marriage. And we we share these things in a hushed tone thinking no one else would understand or no one else is navigating this. And I'm like, if I could just video record all of y'all, I could show a thousand people that talked about porn, a thousand that talked about, you know, temptation and promiscuity and call it a thousand we're all talking about the same things. They're the same stuff that's gripping our heart, but yet we're not cultivating the conversations together. There are a lot of people who have navigated this stuff and known freedom. Mm. Can't be dealt with as long as it remains in the darkness. Right. Uh, until it's brought out into the light, it will remain there. And it, and it keeps going through that cycle of sin and shame, as you talked about. Right, exactly. And sometimes it's one-on-one sitting down across from someone who is maybe a little older, a little wiser, who has wisdom to offer and is willing to intercede and pray. And just saying stuff sometimes breaks that yoke of shame off in ways you can't even imagine. It's like just beginning to cultivate the conversation, to seek his word, to encourage one another, to press in together. There's so much power found in that. And so I think there's corporate response that we can begin to take up and carry in boldness as the body. But I think there's also beautiful relational discipleship uh, activation that we could all stand to, to grow in, in praying that God would give us a name of who we could go to, speak to, learn from, share some of what is on our heart with, and you know, trust his Holy Spirit in the process to cultivate what needs to be cultivated moving forward. And uh, it just begins in loving our neighbor. It begins in loving God and loving our neighbor. Shocking. The greatest two commandments are usually the answer to our <laughs> Amazing the truth that comes from God's word. Um, right. You know, we're, we're dealing with COVID-19. We're dealing with this coronavirus issue. And we know that people are in isolation. And, mm-hmm. and in isolation, there is this um, having to face those idols. In fact, you gave me a quote last time we talked, idle time reveals idols, I-D-L-E, I-D-O-L. I think that's so helpful to come to terms with, to consider. I wonder mm-hmm. if you could just kind of help us think through that a little bit more. Yeah. A friend of mine shared that quote, idle time reveals idols. And I think in her caption, she said, slay them. <laughs> I was like, I like her. She's intense like me. Uh, but it was Really, I believe we're in a time right now, a very unique one to the course of history that we've really known, where God is shifting and shaking and 
I think of like a sleeping person that you're trying to awaken. He's like two-handed shaking those who are sleeping to say, wake up spiritually, wake up, arise, understand that there is a lot at hand and understand that I have more for you. And we're in such a season where he's pulled away every distraction, everything we've turned to and run to apart from him, he's shut down. Everything that we've depended on apart from him, he's like eliminating everything that has been a very clear external idol. He has broken off and it's this beautiful invitation to, I'm pulling all of these things away so that you will awaken and arise and commune with me that you will see um, there's a war at hand here for your soul. And I'm your, I'm your deliverer. I'm the general. I love you. And I want to walk with you in a vibrant dynamic relationship. But what's happening when we are spiritually asleep in many ways and missing that we've now become isolated. And um, while the external, very clear distractions and idols have been pulled off, suddenly we're alone. We're in closed in space, we are told to sit still. And a lot of the internal, the deeper things or the unseen idols are beginning to rear their heads and fight for our attention, for our time, for our focus. So what I'm seeing and, you know, talking with so many people and just looking around in this time of isolation of, you know, quarantine is so many people are saying, man, I thought I was beyond this pornography struggle. I thought I was past this struggle I have with turning to food. Like I thought just all of these issues that suddenly now on lockdown, we're realizing, man, there's actually a fight for our affection, a fight for our attention. But I really believe he is saying, hey, look, even this idle time is revealing idols that are in your life that you you haven't addressed And so what we can understand when we see these things rising back up and wielding such a grip on us is, oh, there's a lot more at play here than I assumed. There's an enemy vying for my time, my attention, my emotions, my affection. No, I need to spiritually awaken and I need to engage with the fact that this is not just another like physical want or physical urge or simple thing. This is, this is war that's at hand. And I can't resolve to agree with this stuff any longer. I need to remove it. I need to, you know, right. Rebuke it. Repent of my involvement with this stuff. I need to armor up and fight back. So as to come into the presence of God and undistracted, undefiled, spend time with my maker. Let him minister to me. Let him reawaken my purpose. Let him embolden and strengthen me. And this is what he is longing to do for all of us in this time. But the enemy is on hot mission to keep us blind to that and distracted to that. And so in this idle time, idle space, all these things are creeping back up for people. And, you know, I would just encourage them, man, connect with people, reach out, get accountability, call this stuff out. Don't stay blind to it don't miss that gluttony might be revealed with the fact that you've watched every possible thing you could see on Netflix and now are like thumbing through stuff. You (laughs) don't even understand. Like don't miss the fact that 
you know, a stronghold of, of perversion and pornography is still on your life. If you find that in the moments you need comfort and help, you're turning back to that. No fight, armor up and fight back against this. See this. Don't miss the fact that, you know, you're turning to food and comfort around stress or that you're lashing out at your spouse and realizing resentments and unresolved things. Don't miss that all of these things are efforts from the enemy to discourage you, to dishearten you, to keep you captive, to keep you distracted. Armor up, fight back, and fight for the clarity and the intimate time and the freedom that was bought for us at a price by the cross of Jesus Christ. Armor up and engage spiritually with what's at hand and allow him to minister, to teach, to point out what needs to be thrown off to invite us to repentance, to get uncomfortable, like we talked about, for the sake of freedom and bearing fruit and walking forward out of this quarantine differently than we entered. What a shame if we leave the same as we started, because he's doing a dynamic work and the hidden stuff that stayed in the darkness for a long time is rearing its head. So you know what? Shine the light of the Holy Spirit on it now too, and let it let it be exposed. And um, man, Turn to the lover of your soul and engage again, commune again, and allow him to, to continue doing that good work that he authored and he is perfecting within us, continuing to make us more like him. It's such a dynamic time to spiritually engage. And I think if there's an idol that someone's recognizing is rearing their head, because it's really not hard to miss as soon as we recognize, oh, that, that might be an idol. That might be something of the enemy. We can see it and call it out so quickly, so easily. Again, they don't hold as much power as we think. Uh, we just have to be willing to awaken and, and see it and acknowledge it and handle it. What a great word. Mo, is there anything you, you feel we haven't covered yet or something you want to share, a, a burden on your heart or, or anything um, additional you'd like to say? Yeah, you know, the thing that, that's been pressing a lot on my heart lately that I would just encourage any listener right now um, who is tuned in, who's been listening, maybe receiving bits and pieces, but there still feels like there's this, this spiritual block, something that so catapulted me forward in my journey of a lot of brokenness, a lot of shame, a lot of confusion, a lot of sexual perversion, um, was the revelation of the power of the blood of Jesus that we are not intended to simply move forward in life, negotiating with sin, negotiating with the terrorist, like that is the enemy coping. Oh, well, that's great for her testimony, but I've been dealing with X, Y, or Z for, you know, 20 years and I've tried everything and there's, there's no freedom that's here for me. I just cope with this. No, he didn't come that we would be a set apart people who are simply made to cope his blood has the power to set the captives free. His blood has the power to break the power of sin off of us completely. And when I started to understand, oh, I don't have to just cope with these desires or these lustful thoughts or these perverse dreams or these triggers any longer. If I start to really believe in the power of God at work by faith through his grace this stuff can be broken off of me completely. He can set me free. And when I started to pray really specifically that way about very specific, very pointed things, 
and trusting and believing in the power of the cross to be sufficient, to eradicate that temptation, to break off that sin that always seems to creep back up. Man, right now we're in quarantine and it's like so much has been stripped away. And some of you listening know There are sin struggles that you thought were done with so long ago that really just the symptoms were treated. And so they are rearing their heads back up in this isolated time. And there is a battle. You're in a fight right now. Oh man, the power. When we really step into his power, we can begin to pray against these things specifically and by his blood, break off the grip they have on us. And oh man, it's been so powerful in so many layers of my life where things that triggered me once do not have the power to trigger me anymore in the name of Jesus, where things I would have caved to once the desire is gone, where things that would have um, tempted me or caused compromise before, not only by his blood, do they not tempt or cause compromise? I actually long to advocate against them. And this is the beauty of what Christ's blood really has the power to do. If we will open our hearts to receive this deliverance, really, Uh, he's so faithful. He's so faithful. And so I just want to encourage anyone who's been listening to this and feels like defeated um, or like, yeah, that's great for her, but it's not applicable to me. No, his mercies are new every morning. His grace is sufficient. His blood is perfect. And he carries the ultimate authority in Jesus' name and Yeshua's name. There is power and there is authority and the demons hear it and they flee. There is the power to break the sin off of us. And when we begin to trust him for that and believe him for that, that's when coping becomes a thing of the past and and really championing forward as a warrior for the kingdom becomes our new posture. He's so faithful and he's so powerful. And we think these beasts are really big. And uh, I would imagine uh, someone listening right now feels like there's, it's too much of a fight. Like you're too weary, you're too tired, you're too burdened. And I would just say, let him remind you in this moment, um, (laughs) they're not as strong as you think they are. It's not as strong as you think it is compared to him, compared to his glory, his power, his authority. And so trust in him, cry out his name, bring these things to the foot of the cross. And he's so faithful to take them and to break the power uh, they carry and set us free. So I just want to encourage someone who feels defeated in that truth. Mm. His mercy is new and his power is good. What a great word. Mo Isom Aiken, um, I'm so grateful for your testimony, the way that Christ has wonderfully saved you and your heart to see people come to that saving knowledge of Christ for him to come and do his transformational work. Mo, I wonder if you would just um, close us in prayer and particularly praying for those who um, are living with this struggle and are seeking that uh, resolution, that transformation in their lives. Absolutely. Oh, Heavenly Father, Abba Father, Lord, we just come before you and we lift your name high. You are holy. You are full of authority. You are powerful. You are the maker of the heavens and earth. You knit us together in our mother's womb. You are sovereign. You are in control. You have plans and purpose for every single one of our lives, every single one of our stories. God, we praise you and thank you 
that we are not just a cluster of cells. No, we are image-bearing creations of God. Lord, thank you for the inherent worth and value that that just weaves into the DNA of our story. God, thank you um, for, for giving us the breath in our lungs and the life that we hold right now. God, I just, um, I pray on behalf of my brothers and sisters who are tuned in and listening, fellow image-bearing creations of God. Lord, I pray right now, I bring them to your throne one by one. Lord, I I cry out their names in the spirit, God, and bring them before you, Lord. And I pray as they are navigating what has felt like a long-term and debilitating fight, what has felt like the topic of confusion, what has felt like an area of disconnect, or what has felt like an area of enslavement by way of sex and sexuality, by struggles, by uh, pornography, Lord. I see divorce, Lord. I see adultery. I see broken marriages. I see pride. I see power plays. All the ways that this beautiful gift that you have given us and this weapon you have given us against the enemy, all the ways that we have not known or have not been taught how to wield that weapon rightly. And instead the enemies picked it up and wielded it against us. Lord, I just pray right now that as your sons and your daughters, um, goodness, just almost squat before you on the throne, heads hung low, Lord, silenced by shame, feeling the weight, feeling worthlessness. God, I pray that you would just bring your hand to lift their chin, to lift up their head, that they would fix their eyes on yours and that you would minister directly to their heart, to their spirit right now in this moment. God, I pray that you would speak truth to them, that you would call them by name and that you would say, hey, I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. That you would sit by them at the well, that you would offer living water, that you would touch and tend to these areas God, and that you would write a new banner over their story, which is redeemed. Lord, that your blood would cover their lives, that your forgiveness would run rich, that your mercy would be real and tangible to them, God, that your grace would embolden and empower them as you lift their heads to look you square in the eyes. God, I pray that they would rise to their feet and that they would allow you to mend them, to tend to them, to minister, to be Jehovah Rapha, the great physician who heals the broken pieces of their heart and of their story. God, I pray that you would begin to equip them in the full armor of God, that you would pull off the lies, the deception, the fear, the pain, the abuse, Lord, and that you would begin to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sandals of readiness, Lord, armor them up. Breathe your spirit of redemptive and powerful life into their lungs, Lord. And in this moment, in this time, God, man, would they breathe in your grace and would they just breathe out worship and praise. You are good and you are holy and you are faithful and you are Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel who holds all of the power. God, so right now I pray that anyone listening would feel, oh, just a breath, a breath of the Spirit that brings an emboldening 
that brings uh, truth face to face into the light, Lord, and um, that you would heal, that you would touch and that you would move in Jesus' perfect name. We trust you for it. Let uh, testimony be evidence of it. It is real and it is for every single person who would humble themselves before you. God, you lift us up and we thank you and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mo Isom Aiken. The website is moisom, M-O-I-S-O-M dot com. Uh, please make sure you check out those resources from Mo. Mo, it's been such a privilege and an honor to have you on Candid. Thank you. Thanks so much. There's power in the blood of Jesus to break every chain. I hope Mo's testimony and teaching has encouraged you to seek freedom in Christ no matter where you struggle. Please go to moisom.com and get a copy of Sex, Lies, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. We also put a quick link to purchase the book through Amazon in the show notes. And don't forget the free eight-part video series called Sex and Jesus, The Conversation Continued. It's also available at moisom.com, and it comes with a 40-page PDF discussion guide. You can do it alone or with a group. Whatever you do, don't let the truth you heard today be the seed that falls on rocky soil. Take the time to pray about it and cultivate it. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. By subscribing, you make sure you never miss an episode. It's delivered as soon as we release it. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Check out our show notes for more information on today's guest. As always, thank you for listening and sharing this episode. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Thanks for listening.